This episode is dedicated to Grace, Helen, Tyson, Jen, Devin, Mike, Kimberly Amelia, and all the folks we've lost since 2016. Hi, I'm your host, Kimberly Thomas Tigg, and you're listening to Signalize, a Dazzle for Rare podcast. Whether you're a patient, advocate, caregiver, or a clinician, Signalize is your source for good news, personal stories, events, and the things that rare and associated communities care about. Follow Signalize and Dazzle for Rare at D-A-Z-Z-L-E, the number four, R-A-R-E, on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, where we'll post episode links, updates, and more. Welcome to Signalize, a Dazzle for Our podcast, where we talk about undiagnosed, rare, and associated communities, their stories and news that are rare and relevant to all of us. Today, I'm taking a closer look at the journey we've taken together over the last seven years, Dazzle for Air. From grassroots, this annual event has been kind of a beacon of hope for collaboration and greater reach with rare disease communities, undiagnosed communities, and people and folks in associated communities or communities where we overlap, uniting all of us across multiple continents over seven years. It has been a journey in all senses of the word, from hearing people greet each other in various languages in the past to seeing folks participate from various countries all around the world. It's been enlightening, not only for me, but for many of you as well. And I want to talk a bit more about that. So let's chat about some insights I've collected, scattered as they may be over the last seven years. Let's step into the time capsule and rewind to 2016 when Dazzle Fur began. The event stemmed from personal experiences, not only my own, with a lack of diagnosis at the age of, I think I was 35 or 36. (laughs) At that time, uh, three people had passed away too close to me and someone I had never met, but who was in our community at the time. And this was in a very short span of time. I talk more about that in the first episodes of this podcast. At the time, there was an overall lack of interest in the general population and in mainstream media about the challenges faced by our global community. This grassroots movement started in the middle of the night with just a hashtag. (laughs) And uh, I did look online. I did do my research just to make sure that no one had taken this hashtag because it just seemed too good to be true. As many of you know, a group of zebras is called a dazzle. So that's why it's called Dazzle for Rare. So in the middle of the night, the foundation was laid. I took to Twitter, which is now known as X. And at that time, I was trying to kind of get some footing on Twitter, where I spent a lot of time posting for Hisa, and also on Facebook. It started with me just reaching out to a bunch of people via DM, to be quite honest. But with those first collaborations and the first four co-hosts, we started to gain momentum over time. So between 2016 and 2018, we were blessed to go from four co-hosts in 2016 to 13 in 2018. And 13 was a previously unbelievable number of nonprofits and people who believed in this concept of cross-community collaboration. So early on, we had always had a Facebook event page, though the platform has been slow to grow for us, um, but it has been growing steadily. And it's kind of an achievement when I look back um, over other Facebook virtual events over the years and see there's almost no engagement or there's nobody going um, or there's very few responses. We've been really lucky to have more than 100 people respond, um, to have people posting. It's not huge, but it's definitely it's definitely something to be proud of. (laughs) 
So it has been and it will be the event's primary goal to amplify the voices of undiagnosed, rare, and associated condition groups. Two of the early adopters in the Dazzle for a concept, but who were not rare disease communities per se, uh, were gastroparesis fighting for change and the CSF Leaks Foundation, both of them being with us from early on in 2016. The early success of the inaugural event in 2016 may seem small. We were just at over 100,000 Twitter impressions. We had done a thunderclap campaign and we had an unknown number of likes, shares, and engagements on Facebook because at the time I didn't know if we would ever do this again. And at the time we weren't on Instagram. If it existed in 2016, I think it did, but we certainly weren't there. And TikTok was just not a thing at that time. But at that time, 100,000 Twitter impressions was kind of a testament to the power of social networking and its ability to amplify a message, your message, my message, an organization's message. The first year did surpass my expectations when we achieved over 100,000 impressions on Twitter. I didn't think that there would be any way that anyone outside my network, anyone outside of HISA, anyone else would be interested, especially the four co-hosts would be interested in really collaborating the way that we did and the way that we do and in educating all the various communities that take part. It may not sound magical at all. It may not sound like anything magical happened that first year, but some long-term friends have been made. And I think that's pretty magical. Certainly gastroparesis fighting for change in Melissa Van Houten, April from Glitter Queens Global slash Diagnosed with Destiny, Monica Yen, uh, Ni Andrade, um, Judy, the United Advocate, Free Durya and uh, her family, Durya Demetras' family. It, it's amazing that I've remained in contact with these folks for seven years. And it's amazing the friendships that are commonly made during the event. Now, at the time, it wasn't 100% clear how impactful our efforts would be. But in the seven years since then, I hear more and more people mention they've seen the hashtag and the posts on social media. It's a bit like people saying that you have to see something six times for it to really stick. And then they start to engage with it. It might take us many more years if I have it in me to keep going. But I think if we continue to stick with putting our messages aside for a short time and share the messages of others with overlaps to our community or communities that are clearly different, we can help each other reach more people who are sympathetic to our cause. So it is a long game in terms of numbers, but I think it's worth sticking out. While we don't have great or consistent comparative insights or metrics, I do have a summary for you from 2016 to current. So in 2016, we were building the foundation. The event was primarily led on Twitter. It featured four co-hosts who collaborated with Dazzle Ferrer and the hashtag and with HISA to amplify rare disease messages. We have always had a Facebook page and in 2016 and to date, that Facebook event page has worked as our hub and platform for running the event. And really that first year we were engaged in raising rare disease, community and collaboration on Facebook and Twitter. In 2017, we were growing awareness and collaboration. The event again was hosted on Facebook and we collaborated with our co-hosts and introduced some additional information to the event 
um, especially usually a pinned post that would share messages. And we had folks raising their voices all over Facebook and Twitter in that year. We still didn't have great metrics at the time because I didn't know if we'd continue doing this. In 2018, we continued to embrace collaboration and we wrote a press release. We collaborated with 13 co-hosts. We wrote our first press release, which we put out with Mark to Cure, Glitter Queens Global, and Hisa and others to help enhance the event's reach. We continue to engage with our communities and amplify the messages across Facebook and Twitter. And uh, for the first two years, we did use some social shouting campaigns like Thunderclap and Day Cause to help really sort of unite people around a message. Unfortunately, those kind of services are not around any longer, at least not that I'm aware of. So we haven't used them since, I think, 2017 or 2018. In 2019, we faced some logistical challenges with Unity. The event on Facebook had issues. I don't know what happened, but it ended up being divided into seven separate days. For some reason, that was the only way we could set it up. But we had 15 co-hosts, which was an increase over the 13 the prior year and the four in the first year. And despite our challenges, we continued to share stories and folks started to reach out from other communities and engage in the event discussion. We were hearing from more people on Twitter and we continued to encourage people to like, share, retweet, but also share their own stories. I think that was the first year we heard from the Wager Syndrome community and really encouraged people to come forward and share. In 2020, we were navigating the challenges of COVID-19, but we had 23 co-hosts who united, despite the tough times, to elevate rare disease messages, undiagnosed, and other associated communities. Everybody demonstrated incredible resilience and and unity in the face of the adversity we were all facing, not only with rare disease, but also the COVID-19 pandemic. And we continued to focus on engaging folks and trying to spread as much hope as possible. And unfortunately, in the beginning of 2020, we lost a cherished friend in Kimberly Amelia who passed away in February of that year. In 2021, we were continuing to spread awareness across communities and trying to reach more people than ever. The event continued to emphasize cross-community sharing, and I started using that term around that time period more often. We collaborated with 21 co-hosts that year and expanded even more. Um, We shifted the event to the Dazzle for a website to some extent. We had a mobile website where you could click a link and go straight to all the posts on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and you could share directly from there. Um, Over time, we had 300 participants on the Facebook page registering their interest or indicating if they would be attending online or not. In 2022, we had some significant, significant (laughs) work done with Twitter impressions on the hashtag. Cross-community awareness continued. We collaborated with, I think it was a total of 26 co-hosts, but actually I think it's more than that. I think it was more like 28, but not everyone was able to be shown on the Facebook event page. I think it's an eccentricity of Facebook. People were just not able to make that happen. So I think we had more like 28 co-hosts. And we had a lot of new joiners in 2021 and 2022. Folks from the sarcoidosis community who have been showing up in force. Absolutely amazing. Would love to see more of that from more communities. And um, 
it just, it really felt, it felt very hectic. Um, and we certainly had a lot of missed starts that year, but it was great to reach, I believe, 28 co-hosts. And of course, the Twitter impressions that year, I think at the very end, when all was said and done from midnight on the first day to midnight on the last day, we reached over 9 million impressions, social media impressions on Twitter. Just think if only 1% of people actually engaged with what they saw on their timeline, that's still a huge amount of people. And of course, in 2023, we continued our focus. We had 40 co-hosts and advocates this year, which is the most we've ever had. Um, We continued to use our website as sort of a secondary hub and then offered the ability for people to submit their information on the website, which has been fraught with its own issues, but very useful. You know, we've been struggling with insights and the differences between platforms, but we're, we're doing our best. So some comparative info, the participant interest and engagement has steadily increased over the years, and we'll put that information on the website. The event audience engagement and impressions has shown significant growth and consistent growth, even though it doesn't seem like a lot to others. The impressions on Twitter, which is now X, surged from, you know, a handful, 100,000, 3 million to 7 million this year, still down about 3 million from previously, but nothing to sniff at. And our collaborators grew from four the first year to 40 this year, extending the event's influence and ability to reach more people. And we have just continued to play things by ear, evolve and adapt. And we're all doing the best that we can. But thank you to everybody who co-hosted and engaged with us this year. To be honest, those, you know, it only, it's only been more recently that I've really thought more about metrics. I started thinking about it a few years ago, but as I think all of us have noticed over the last seven years, not only have new social media platforms been added to everybody's repertoire, but the way that we access metrics certainly changes quite often. And now with the change from just Facebook to Facebook and Instagram, and then uh, the change over to meta business tools and things like that, unfortunately, I wasn't able to get any Facebook event metrics because there were no paid ads during the event. And that was really sort of where they were leaving that. (laughs) So the metrics that I do have for Facebook are quite limited. I will still share those with our co-hosts when I reach out to everybody soon. So while we don't do huge numbers on Facebook, we have grown. Each year we bring more and more people to the event. I also actively encourage our co-hosts and our participants to invite people. So yes, invite your family and friends to the Facebook event if they're on Facebook, if they're sympathetic and have empathy for your condition or your situation. Invite your Facebook, Inspire, or Reddit community or your Discord community. Give everyone the Facebook event link and encourage them to click going so that they can see a post uh, or posts rather from a variety of condition groups and communities around the world. They will indeed learn something. A big part of what we do is, again, collaboration and partnership. The numbers are only a small part of the story. The partnerships that we formed with organizations over the years Uh, like Rare Patient Voice, have helped to further amplify not only Dazzle for Rare, the hashtag itself, but the messages that Dazzle for Rare is attached to, like those of people from communities all over the world, P10 community, uh, people who have gastroparesis, which is often associated with Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome, people from the Wager community, uh, people from communities all over the world. We're just such a small percentage of the 
possibly 10,000 rare diseases that are out there. Each year, we're trying to do our best to reach more people and also encourage more people to join us so that we can have more of a united voice and reach more people. We've also been really lucky to have the support of author and uh, reality reality television personality, Barbie Ingle. Um, She has really helped to spotlight Dazzle for Rare. We're, we're incredibly grateful for folks like her who have a really solid platform to speak from and to share these messages. So we're grateful to Rare Patient Voice. We're very grateful to Barbie. We're grateful to folks like Alan at Ataxi and me, who's been a great supporter, to Carol, to Judy, to the gals at GYNCSM, Dee and Christina. All of them have very solid platforms and they've been hugely helpful in amplifying the messages of smaller communities. Over the last seven years, we've had to do a fair amount of adaptation, and we've had to be pretty resilient in the face of social media changes. So on this journey that we've been through, it has not been without challenges. Um, With platforms constantly changing, their metrics changing, what we can access, what we can't. I don't do paid metrics and things like that just because we only do this event once a year for one week. So I'm not in a position to pay for, you know, brand 24 or a mention lytics or any of these other fancy services. And what we're able to do with what platforms give us, it changes so much every year. So one thing I would suggest is in the Facebook analytics, you can compare yourself to other pages. And one thing that I have noticed over time, and especially in the last few years, is that when I look at our page growth, versus some of our co-hosts, everybody seems to get a bit of a boost in August. Now, that could be due to a lot of other things, but I would certainly recommend to the folks listening, if you're a co-host or if you wish to be in the future, that you take a look at your page, some of the other co-hosts, our page, and keep an eye on how it may affect your likes and your engagements during the event week. You may see a big jump, you may not see a jump at all, but I would encourage people to think about that. But through all the changes and the evolving social media landscapes, we have at least been able to be consistent in sort of adapting (laughs) to what's going on and trying our best to really ask people, what, what is it you want? What is it we can do? And we're always just doing the best that we can. And I think that this resilience is really a hallmark of the rare disease community itself. We are very much most certainly a group of people who know how to navigate uncharted territories. What is the direct impact of Dazzle Ferrer? One of the most rewarding aspects of this journey has been receiving feedback from you guys, from people who have been seeing the messages and whose lives have actually been touched in some way. I've had people send messages saying that, you know, direct outreach from us has been you know, has made their day, has felt really good. Uh, People enjoy interacting with the campaign and interacting with other organizations. I've heard a few different stories where people have mentioned that while it didn't lead them to a diagnosis, it did lead them to learning about a condition they would later be diagnosed with. They may have been undiagnosed for many years. They heard about a condition through Dazzle Ferrer and then they already had an instant sense of community. So individuals have found a ready-made support network with the awareness that we spread. And that is a great reminder of why we continue to do this. From that, from the continuation of this effort, 
In 2022, we proudly launched the Signalize podcast, the podcast you're listening to right now. And this new platform really helps to cement Dazzle Ferrer as a place for sharing stories, news, interviews within the undiagnosed rare and associated communities, and interviews with other stakeholders like Screen for Care. Our efforts to raise awareness and to drive change have now extended beyond just Facebook and Twitter, or just Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, etc. It has reached outside the confines of the event and embraces the power of long-form conversations and long-term relationships and helping others to increase the volume on their stories. This is Barbie Engel. I am the immediate past president of the International Pain Foundation. And I first saw this through the International Pain Foundation and said, this is my thing. I dazzle for rare. And uh, as a rare disease patient with multiple rare diseases, including algoneurodystrophy, PALB2 variant, Graves disease, I absolutely love to sparkle, shine, and share. And I am so glad that Kimberly and Carrie and the rest of the team are keeping Dazzle for Rare going year after year, keeping it strong. And I love to be helpful, play a part, and really show the world what we are doing. And I am so excited to share with my network every year about Dazzle for Rare and how we are dazzling through life despite the challenges that we face. And I look forward to continuing to share and watching Dazzle for Rare grow just like I am with the other projects like May We Prevail, Prevailing Still, and the November project that I participate in every year. And I look forward to continuing to share these seeds of knowledge with the public so that we can have fruit trees with filled with knowledge for the public as they need the information so they can better understand what we are going through and how to support us through society as well as have that information and that resource to go back to when they're in need. Thanks so much. Keep dazzling. Hi. I'm Judy from Australia. I first heard about Dazzle for Rare in 2016 or 2017. I was drawn to the event because I wanted to help spread the word and elevate voices. And I am United Advocacy, so I wanted to unite with the world for not only my Rare, but the global community. This year, once again, I am ever so grateful to the Dazzle for Rare community for again wanting to help share our messages. Yes, social media has changed a lot since 2016. However, I'm still grateful for any reach at all and I appreciate everyone who is a part of it. On that note, shout out to everyone in the Dazzle for a community. Massive love to all and thank you Kimberly for another Dazzle for Air. My name is Titina Sanders Bay, AKA Kizzy Dazelle. I am the CEO of Birth and Breastfeeding and Color Incorporated. This was my first year participating. Drew me to it was the opportunity to connect and help others like myself and to learn about other rare diseases. And now I know that there are so many. I was super excited to participate. While helping others is something that I take 
pride in. And I saw the Dazzle for Rare opportunity as a way for me to help others. If I could do it again, I definitely would. I learned and connected with some powerful organizations that I didn't even know existed. I'm Carrie Wong, also known as the butterfly from Float Like a Butterfly. I'm a writer and a patient advocate living in New York. I first found out about Dazzle for Rare in 2021, just a few days before it started. I immediately wanted to get involved and was excited to be a part of such a warm and supportive community. Last year, I was able to help out behind the scenes, which gave me a better understanding of both the event and its participants. This year, I was part of Team Dazzle again, and I feel like I got to know the people behind the posts better. So really every year my involvement grows and with it, my understanding and appreciation of other rare diseases and the people living with them. The thing I love about Dazzle for Rare is that it's not just about raising our voices for our own specific rare disease communities, which is so important in and of itself. But Dazzle for Rare is also about lifting each other's voices so that we can reach more people who need that connection. The tagline of Dazzle for Rare is, we are rare family. And year after year, I feel that so much. Big, big thanks to Kimberly for the incredible movement that is Dazzle for Rare. I already can't wait for next year. My name is Mackenzie Cabrera. I am a rare disease advocate and a caregiver to a rare disease warrior named Josiah. I heard about Dazzle for Rare through Carrie Wong. I thought it was an amazing thing, especially with the connections and meeting new friends and just learning more about other rare diseases. This past week for Dazzle for Rare has been absolutely amazing. I gained a lot of friends and just learning more and expanding knowledge is a big thing for me. So thank you for having me. <laughs> We're happy to be joined by Lee from NCBRS Foundation. Last year in 2022 was the first time that the NCBRS Worldwide Foundation participated. We participated again this year in 2023 and what a year it was. We had a great time sharing the messages of others and ours. What drew us to be a part of Dazzle for Rare was the sense of this cross community and the support we get from others who share our messages with their communities. It's good to hear from the folks who we've just heard from, uh, from Barbie, from Mackenzie, who is new to the Dazzle for a family this year, um, to the folks that we've heard from it's great to actually hear their voices and be able to connect their experiences and how they've come to this, how they've heard about it, what they've found through it, and to be able to make those, those connections, actually hear from themselves what it's done for them or how they've felt. I've had the benefit over the last seven years of hearing directly from people, and it's always great to share their messages, but it's also really great to be able to share with you what they have to say as well. I think it helps add a, a level of dimension to everything that we're doing and why it's so important that hopefully if you haven't joined us, that you join us the second week of August next year. As I wrap things up, I just want to remind you of the power of unity and the impact of awareness. Dazzle for his journey <laughs> certainly has exemplified how a collective effort can amplify people's voices can spread knowledge and facts, and can start to bring about change, even if it's just a little change, even if it's just 
something small in the time being until we grow and grow and continue to grow as a chorus of voices to make a greater social change. The next time, I hope that you will join us and keep raising voices and uplifting each other and shining a light on what we are all going through, our unique lived experiences, those of us who are in various other communities, other places where we overlap, where some of us are very privileged, others of us are still struggling for a diagnosis and for care. So I hope that you will see the value in this. And again, I will be sharing at least some event metrics that are more concrete than the over 9 million Twitter impressions we achieved this year with the hashtag. We also had, I believe, over 100 Facebook participants. We had folks, new faces coming to the website, new faces on Instagram. So I'll be sharing that a little bit more with the co-hosts directly. And also keep an eye out for the website as I will be putting up kind of a look at the last seven years and more concrete data on dazzleforer.net. So keep an eye there too. As I say, it's tough to do this event (laughs) and it's also difficult to maintain this podcast. It's stressful, but it's rewarding. While I often wonder if I have it in me to keep doing all this, I am always glad to get your feedback because at the end of the day, at the end of the event, the feedback that I do get has been overwhelmingly positive. Um, But it's always important for me to hear from you as to what really benefits you in what you do, whether you are a patient, whether you are an advocate, whether you are the head of a nonprofit, whether you're a volunteer, whether you're a clinician. Hearing from you helps not only myself, but the rest of us provide more value and to provide a greater community service. What we do with Dazzle Ferrer is not funded by anyone. Nothing we do is sponsored. This podcast is not sponsored. (laughs) I'm sure my husband would say it's sponsored by him. Um, (laughs) But nothing we do is sponsored or paid for. We don't have any funding whatsoever. We're not a nonprofit organization. We are volunteer run, mostly by myself, but also Carrie Wong and uh, Titina Sanders Bay, who joined us this year. And in the past, it has been Holly and Lisa from the Hashimoto's encephalopathy community. It has been Kimberly Amelia. It has been, you know, just people pitching in when and where they can. Judy, the United Advocate. And uh, every bit of that is incredibly helpful. But we are a community service. This is a community service, the podcast and the Dazzle Ferrer website and the two calendars that we run our community maintained and they're there for you. So if this is a value, it really helps to let us know and also to be able to let the other folks who help out know so that we can make sure we're helping get you covered and do what works for you. If it is something where we're able to continue, Team Dazzle and I, to continue this event, what would make it enticing for you to join us? We want to know. More importantly, if you feel the event isn't working or serving you or isn't as accessible as it could be, please let us know because we have limited resources and no funds. But at the same time, if there is enough interest, you know, that helps become the impetus to asking more people to help and to maybe having more people volunteer for this community-led community service. If it's worth evaluating the effort 
to do what you might want us to do. And that includes the podcast. If we're not serving our purpose of signal boosting rare and associated voices and sharing relevant news and information, let us know. It takes a lot of time and a lot of energy. And while it is rewarding, it's really difficult to do. And if we're not fit for purpose, then we're not hitting the mark for you. Only you and your communities, your colleagues, and the patients, you guys are the ones who know what is reflected in your messages or you know what voices we need to be amplifying to really gauge whether what we do is a success. Thanks for taking the time to listen to me ramble today. I do have some metrics. They are a bit scattered, but they will be published on the website shortly. There is a summary and rundown. Things will go out to the co-hosts and we will post to the event. So if you didn't click going to the event, go ahead and go back to the event page, click going or check it out and we'll post something to the event page as well so people can take a look at the metrics. But thanks to all the folks who have helped over the years. Thank you to those who shared their voices for this episode. And thank you for listening. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Signalize, a Dazzle for Rare podcast. To stay up to date on the podcast and Dazzle for Rare, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at D-A-Z-Z-L-E, the number four, Rare, R-A-R-E. And finally, if you liked this episode, share it with a friend and tag us on social media platforms.